they talk about zooming each other? There is literally a song that the um, who's zooming who? Hang on, who is it? It's Aretha Franklin. It's called Who's Zooming? Oh, well, she's talking about a different kind of zooming, honey. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and I'm so glad you could join us this week for a brand new episode. Sometimes he's a mad hatter, but never a mad hater. He has no hate in his little heart, and that's one of the reasons I love him so much, y'all. It's my husband and producer of the podcast, Mr. Rossetti. How you doing, love? I'm doing good. You got real Southern right there. You said y'all. <laughs> you know... I said y'all a lot before we moved to Atlanta, but it's so funny because I'll say it and people will be like, oh, you're all Southern now. And I'm like, listen, I've been saying y'all for about 20 years. So y'all, it's just a really quick and easy way to pull everyone. It's a fun word. It is a fun word. Y'all. Y'all. Speaking of y'all. Speaking of y'all. 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 This world. A lot of hate in this world going on right now. It just continues, continues, continues as if we don't have enough problems without the hate, you know. Or with with everything hate going for on. different kinds of people. We recently had and uh, something happened kind of right here in our backyard, literally. Yeah, like less than probably like four miles from us. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a shooter that killed um, mostly um, Asian Americans, but it w- seems to be targeting uh, those places, and it's. Uh, just really hard, just really um, difficult to to think about the amount of hate for specific groups of people and how that festers in this country and, and how, yeah, it's just so sad. Yeah, it's sucky and shitty and we could sit here and not say anything, but like we have to say something. The hate has to stop. Like we've just got to stop. Like people, if, I, and I, it, yeah. yeah, it's just, and it's, and it's stuff we've grown up with it's systems that have been in place for centuries and find different ways to fester and and remain and you know that's just the community this you know week sadly that is kind of experiencing the hate it just kind of makes a round robin um so we just wanted to to kind of shout that out and and talk about ways to like you know help um Dustin, you reposted something on Instagram. Yeah, I did on Instagram because, y'all, this is just senseless. And I know we're sitting here going, well, what can I do? Or if you're not, I hope you are. Um, you know, and and uh, there's this account uh, by Kim Sarah. It's at Kim Sarah, K-I-M-S-A-I-R-A. I reposted it, but go to her account, follow her. Um, it's uh, She gives you uh, different ways to sort of be an ally for Asian Americans and fight anti-Asian racism. So it's at Kim Sarah, at K-I-M-S-A-I-R-A. Of course, there's lots of accounts that you can definitely follow. Everything's easy to find these way- days. So if you want to help, uh, <laughs> just Google it. There's ways to help. Yeah, you know? just do a Google search. And I mean, if you look at the numbers and the statistics, the the exponential growth of 
crimes against Asian Americans is pretty staggering. Like the the jump, I mean, it's, I don't know, I don't want to misquote a number, but I it's it's kind of numbing to see these numbers jump so high. And because of misinformation of, you know, uh, Corona being the quote unquote, some people calling it the Chinese virus. Ugh, um, it's gross. really, That's it's so gross. It's so gross. So, do what you can donate. Um, one of the one of the places that um, uh, we heard about was the Asian American Federation. Um, you can find them, uh, you know, uh, on Instagram, AA Federation, um, or American Federation, uh, Asian American Federation dot org, and donate. Oh, it's AA Federation. Oh, sorry, AA Federation dot org. Sorry, that's my bad. I typed that up wrong. My that's love. Okay. You were you were wrong. Um, so just uh, take a second and do what you can. Post something at least put something out there that that spreads some love to kind of counteract that hate and just don't be quiet it's hard for me to talk right now it's it, yep. these, these things are hard and that's what i think we the best thing we can do is not be silent so like we all just kind of need to speak up in any way that we can it's very hard there's racist people all around us so the next time somebody says something racist in front of you i know it's hard try and speak up and say something. So I think I'm going to leave it at that for this right now. Yeah. We're going to move on, but we didn't want to start this episode this week without mentioning it. So we're going to go on now, move on to the thing that we're always talking about. First of all, I want to say we love you all. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. And now we're going to talk about the thing we all love, which is food. Food, glorious food. food. Uh, what do we have today? I made some uh, delicious bagels. You from did. A new, uh, well, not a new book. It came out a couple of years ago that I'm diving into, though. They were everything bagels. They were, honey, they were everything. 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 Um, everything bagels from the Mississippi Vegan Cookbook. Now, if you're not following Mississippi Vegan, go on Instagram, follow M I S S double I S double P P I double I P P I. How does it? M I S double I S double I S. Yep. See, I lost. I know if I had to spell it. M I S S I P P I. There you go. Mississippi vegan. It's Timothy Packron, and it's he's great. I he and I crossed paths a little bit in New York, but he lives in Mississippi. But he was doing a lot of work in New York at one point, and we had a lovely dinner with him one point at. Uh, Blossom on Carmine when it was Blossom still right before it became Urban Eats Urban Urban Fix Urban Nope Did Urban Fix is in Atlanta Urban Fix is in Atlanta No What was it Urban, Urban, Urban. Cowboy Nope Nope, nope. <laughs> We'll come back around to that okay, But great. um He did help develop menu for that too when it switched over to the Urban title Uh In any event He's lovely Great Amazing cookbook out called Mississippi Vegan We're gonna have him on in a month or so on the podcast to talk all about it which is really exciting. Um, but it's got some very extensive recipes in it, um, that with, with really fun new ideas. So I made the everything bagels and then I made, there's a potato bacon in there. So we made BLTs on the bagels Mm. with, um, and everything was just delicious. So, so tasty. And I thought the, uh, take on potatoes as bacon was very interesting. He says something in the header about like, well, we're vegans. We'll make anything bacon. And it's true. We will. Um, so that was fun. And then what else do we have? And then you got takeout. Yeah, we got got takeout for us. Very nice. From Goose Dumplings. Goose Dumplings. Now, we have not been... It's very hard for me to justify money eating out because we have food constantly with all the recipe development that uh, I do and everything. However, it's also important for me to eat out because it's uh, inspiring and it's research and it helps me learn things. Uh, And especially being in a new town... I say new, but we've been here almost a year and a half. Uh, But we haven't... We've probably eaten out 10 times. Because of the pandemic. Because of the pandemic. Yeah. And when I say out, I mean, we didn't go out. We got 
takeout. Takeout. Um, so anyways, we got goose dumplings here in Atlanta. We had the Chengdu cold noodles. That was my standout dish. Mm. For that. My supervisor at work, Rob had been telling me about these for the last year. And I was like, okay, Rob, I get it. But listen, they were so tasty. Cold noodles tossed in like a homemade sweet and spicy sauce with garlic and bean sprouts with toasted sesame seeds and green onions mm, so chef's good. kiss and then we had like delicious. a what a broccoli garlic dish and, broccoli, then, garlic um, and then the um the dumplings dumplings yeah which were so tasty were as well too. so goose dumplings here in atlanta if you get a chance you gotta go check it out now we're gonna get to that it, thing I got a book in my hands. This week we are talking about the Eat Like You Give a Damn cookbook, Recipes for the New and Ethical Vegan by Herbivore Clothing's Michelle Schwegman and Josh Hooten. Hooten, I want to say, but it's probably Hooten. Um, I love. I, I don't know if I've actually met Josh, but I love Michelle, and she's the one who's on the podcast representing. Um, I just love her so much, and I'm going to give you the book, David. Go ahead and take a flip through All here. Right. What do we find? What's the first thing you opened up to? Ooh. No Bird Noodle Soup. Yes! Page looks 101. Like a, looks like a classic take on a little uh, chicken noodle, eh? Only it. no bird, no bird. Oh, they got a little tofu ricotta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or ricotta. Ricotta. As Italians would say. And then we've got... Oh, you opened to a chapter opener there. Well, hold, well here, look at the next page. Oh, oh bing, bong, bing, bong. bing bong, Mango bread with cardamom, ginger, and lime. Uh, excuse excuse me. me, excuse me, excuse me. Okay, and then the last one. Look at this. Sunny split pea uh, soup. I made us this that one. That looks tasty. I made us this one, but I made it at the last apartment. I made it quite a while ago. Delicious. Uh, we recorded this episode actually in the fall of... Oh, you just opened the thing and that, that I, I opened it, literally. <laughs> this thing's been made, I would say, about 30 times in our house. It's the I... only kale... Can save us now, salad. Page eighty-three. He loves this. <laughs> he salad literally he opened. Of it. He opened it and he almost rolled his eyes a little bit. Not because he <laughs> loves the salad. He he loves it with me, but like my obsession with the salad is obsession. a little annoying. Um, because I'll be like, well, what do we what do we need? Like a salad? I'll be like, oh, I'll just make the kale salad. Yeah. Um, and we love it every time. I actually make the dressing now on the side and leave it in the fridge. So the kale salad from this book, ah. Uh, Mamma mia, so tasty. Ma- I've made the uh, oh, there <laughs> I've made the mac and cheese from here and super simple, super tasty. The oatberry breakfast bars. I've yes, actually made quite a bit from delicious. this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right up your alley, right? Right up my alley. Mm-hmm. I love oats, I love berries, I love breakfast, and I love bars. You do love a bar. I sure do. Oh y'all, we watched oh, God. we watched uh Oh Barb and Star. They go to Vista Del Mar. They sure do. Oh my gosh. Um, we watched it again and again. We can't I think stop it. It's like your fourth and my third. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I love about this book is it is the perfect book for someone just going vegan. And um, Michelle tells us all why uh, in, in this great little chat I have with her. And you'll see why I do love her so much. But before we dive in, let's tell you a bit about... Her and them, and Josh and Michelle, that is, they started Herbivore Clothing in 2002 in a spare bedroom of their apartment in southeast Portland because they wanted good-looking clothes, ethically made, that would show the world they believed animals deserve respect, love, and to be free from harm. Preach, preach, preach. I hear you. Plain and simple, they wanted to spread the word about living cruelty-free. Nearing the 20-year mark since they began Herbivore Clothing, the core beliefs remain the same, and now they are located in the vegan mini-mall of Portland. The mini-mall has existed since 2007 and has been home to the uh, Food Fight Grocery, though they recently closed because of COVID-19. Yeah, which, uh, Food Fight's one of the, like, first vegan grocery stores to sort of be known. 
Um, I can't quote for sure if it was the first one, but I do believe it was the first one of the first vegan grocery stores in the country. Um, and love them. I, I visited them when I was there with the vegan roadie. We have a Portland episode. We even pop into herbivore clothing for a little bit. We were at the mini mall. It happened. Um, but yes, they, they closed unfortunately, but the good news is a vegan business took their place in their spot. So it's still a vegan mini mall. We get cultured kindness in their spot now, which is a vegan cheese and deli shop. Ooh, that's a nice little, I mean, yes. if you're going to replace something as tried and true as food fight, it's mm-hmm. nice that that's something like that specialized. Um, and the mall is also home to sweet pea bakery and scapegoat tattoo um, was there, but uh, has since moved just across the parking lot. So still, still there. Part Scapegoat's of, still there. Just across it, really. the, just a little jump across the lot. And also ice queen, a vegan sort What'd of popsicle. What'd you call me? What'd you call me? Ice queen. Well, you are. A vegan sort of popsicle shop. Uh, Michelle tells us a little bit more about it in the interview. She sure does. All that to say, the Vegan Mini Mall in Portland is still thriving, and Herbivore is very much up and running. They are still one of the leading vegan brands designing rad clothing, as well as manufacturing belts and wallets. 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 They've hosted countless events, co-founded an animal rights conference, and spoken at VegFest. They donate their time at sanctuaries and donate their skills to lots of organizations in the form of pro bono design work. They continue to raise buckets of money for animal rights organizations and sanctuaries, as well as other justice movements. They are just great people doing great things, and I'm so honored to share their awesome book, Eat Like You Give a Damn, Recipes for the New Ethical Vegan with All of You. Here, representing Herbivore Clothing, it's Michelle Schwegman. The one who walks the walk and talks the talk, all while eating like she gives a damn, Herbivore Clothing's Michelle Schwegman. Herbivore! Herbivore! Herbivore, herbivore. Are you? It depends on if you're Canadian or not. And then Schwegman, am I saying it correctly? You get a totally like a gold star on that one. Yes. yes. Let me tell you, every time I've been like, as I've been researching the book and I go to like, if I go to write your name or something, I have to look at the cover of the book about seven times. I'm like, <laughs> did I miss it? And nobody's looking at my notes but me, but I'm like, did I miss an N? Did I miss, did miss, is there a C? But I got, and then I said it right. So that's fantastic. How are you, my dear? Isn't that great? I'm, you know what? I'm doing great. The sun is shining on me Good. and uh, the sky is blue and I'm breathing. That, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And now, do you say herbivore? It's herbivore. We say herbivore. I'm, I'm feeling so silly right now. Well, where did you grow up? I grew up in Michigan. So does that maybe... You're, you're very close to Canada. Very close like, to Canada. So I'm going to give you a pass. I don't you, know if I've ever said herbivore until suddenly I had to do that and I'm talking to you. And then I was like, felt, oh my gosh, I don't know which one it is. Did you feel like you had to be proper? I, I guess I felt pressure suddenly, but I've always said oh, herb, herbivore clothing. no pressure. No it's, pre- er, we okay. say herbivore and people, you know, it's usually Canadians say herbs or herbivore. Well, um, I'm, I'm from like lower Michigan, so it doesn't count, but I'll take that pass. I'll take it and run with it. Listen, I'm so happy to chat with you. I've been fortunate enough to chat with you at a couple veg fest and you, you've always had these happy, positive vibes. And of course I've stopped into herbivore clothing in Portland. And uh, when we filmed an episode of the vegan roadie, we featured, featured the store. We gave a little shout, held up some totes and stuff. How could we not? Um, Yay. And were you, have you been missing the veg fest circuit since we're just through the summer and that's usually when we all would have been out and about, uh, socializing and doing our thing. Did you miss hitting the veg fest this summer? You know, I miss 
seeing friends and connecting with people on a one-to-one basis. That is like my, you know, besides real food, that's what really feeds me is talking with people, helping people, connecting, and just, you know, getting to meet people that have loved our brand and loved, you know, what we've been doing all these years. Um, I got to be honest, I don't really miss... (laughs) all the rigmarole and what's going to sell, what's not going to sell. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I, I, for me, I show up, I do a food demo and that's stressful enough on its own, but like ultimately you're looking at sales, deciding what to bring, what not to bring. That's gotta be such a situation every time. It's always a situation and it's always like, you know, more, it's more positive than anything. And sure. it's, It's like one of those things that even, Though you're like, oh my God, here we go again. Once it gets going, it's like when the curtain goes up, you're like, ta-da, you know, here I am. <laughs> and, and, and it feels great and you're glad you're doing it. But, um, you know, some years we did like 17 events. Oh my gosh. And I and just had it, like a little, like I, my heart stopped a little for you. That's it, so many. Too many. And, and we, the past few years we have started to pull back because there's just, uh, you know, the, the return is, sure. you know, decreasing every year and we're tired. Like I'm old, you know, <laughs> not, not really, but, um, I know I have a kid. I, I, you know, I don't want, we don't want to be gone every weekend. Yeah. It's exhausting and, for sure. And all the yeah. traveling that comes with it and the planning. And then, you know, it's, it's about being out there and help it. The cool thing. And I, I think you'll agree with me about veg fest. And sometimes I have to like, I have to stop. Cause I did a, my last book came out and I did a book tour based around the veg fest. So like I really hit it hard and it's easy to get bogged down by the stress of it. But then you have those moments when usually at the fest, you get to meet people who are like newly vegan or very curious about it. And it takes me back to like when I first went vegan, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. Like this person's actually really interested and just wants to know the information, you know? So that's sort of like the cool part. I say to them is going to be, hugely beneficial yeah absolutely you know? absolutely that's yeah. always 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 a cool part about those veg fests so you know ups and downs like everything else you know uh yeah. let's take a dig into your icebreaker question my gorgeous uh um, what are three values in a friend that are most important to you okay well because i don't follow any rules have, <laughs> my favorite kind of person then i have more than three that's great it, i love it i made it kind of work into three Um, I, okay. So they're not really in any particular order. Um, they, they were supposed to be in alphabetical order. We discussed this (laughs) again, the rules, not, not following them. You guys Um, just kidding. Listeners. I did not tell her they had to be in alphabetical. (laughs) I'm like, let me just clear the air a little bit there. It's and, And you give us as many as you would like. I'm, I'm here for it. All right. So the, the three three things that I value the most is someone who first has to make me laugh. Oh, I love that. Like, I mean, I have serious friends and then I have goofy, silly friends, but like everybody makes me laugh. Sure. I have to be laughing because if I'm not laughing, then maybe I'm dying. I don't know. Like, you know, it's life is short. We have to laugh. Agreed. So that is super important. Then somebody really needs to listen. And that is a a quality that is um, I think less 
frequently seen in the human race. And, and so I love when I'm having a really good conversation and you can really see that someone's listening with their ears, but also with their eyes and with their body, you know, they're leaning in. And because that's what I give when I'm listening. Right. Right. And I just, I want to have that reciprocation. So that listening and laughing. And then I was thinking about this and I'm like, well, of course, somebody who loves food, but because duh. Yeah. But then I'm like, well, gosh, you know, and I started thinking about all the people that I really, that I love. And, and I know a ton of people, but I've always been the kind of person who has just a very few, very close friends. I'm the same way. Because I, I just can't handle, mm-hmm. I don't have a very good memory. I, 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 I give a lot. So like, if I'm going to be given, you know, it's, I, it's gotta be really, you know, it's, it's pretty special. So I was thinking about these, these few people and I'm like, this is a great friend. And this friend, we just, we cook together. That's what we do. And then I'm thinking of another friend. I'm like, well, we don't ever cook together. Like I've never <laughs> cooked her, but every time I'm with her, I, we're eating, you know, we're like, sure. sure. And, you know, or then just, just like all the different, you know, then like, of course, Josh is also my husband, but he's also my best friend. Right. Um, and so, you know, like we're sharing food while we're eating and while we're cooking and while we're talking and while we're working and all of this. And, you know, so, so for me, it's those things. And then just also people that not only do we share food, but we really share like core values and ideas and that, and that we talk about it a lot. Like, I'm a talker. Like I like to talk about it. We all, Josh and I are talking all the time about everything and it's like, and we're also laughing and we're listening. So all those things come together. So it's like, those are really, you know, those core things are what I value in a friend. Those are great ones. Everyone listening. I hope you're writing them down in case you're wondering like, how am I going to make more friends? What do they need to have? Of course we all need to have our (laughs) own values. Um, And I was looking at mine and I'm, I, Mine is more like a um, the first one I'm looking at it. I think it kind of goes overall, but it's more like a friendship value almost. Like there clearly just has to be a connection. But because I'm thinking about you saying, you know, you have that that small group and that that core group, and that's sort of what or, or not group, but like a, a small, intimate, close few friends. Yeah. And I sort of have the same th- same thing. It's like because because the connection is so important with me. Yeah, it, and it's hard to give to the true like um, essence of yourself to very many people. Right, 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 right. You want to, you want to be invested in it. So to do that, it's like, you know, you can't spread yourself so thin having all of these close, close friends. Cause then you're like, well, what am I giving to this person and that person? You know, it's, and I guess it's a give and take too. And then a second one on my end is being open-minded. Once I get really close with somebody, I tend to just be like word vomit and tell them everything. So I do prefer to have somebody who, you know, is, is not going to judge me with, you know, the tiniest little thing here or there. Um, and then, uh, and so I can be myself essentially. And then that feeds into the connection. And then also someone who respects boundaries, like if they're, you know, who isn't going to take it all personally, if it's like, you know, I I don't feel like being on the phone or going out or something like that, they're going to be like, okay, I got it. Well, I'll see you when you're ready. You know, someone who respects boundaries. Yeah. And they take you as you are. Like, that's exactly right. Yeah. No Mm -hmm. question. Like, 
I'm so tired. I know we've been talking about going out for two weeks, but I'm freaking exhausted and I just don't want to get out of my, you know, quitters. I just can't. Right. Right. Anyway. So like, Oh God, yeah, me too. Okay. Let's, you know, we'll reconnect when, when you're feeling, when you got the energy and you're feeling better. Well, we just built the perfect friend. So there it is, everybody. That's great. Listen up. DM us, DM us, we'll hang out, we'll eat food, we'll have a connection and be all open-minded with each other. It'll be great. Uh, Michelle, this is usually the part where I start to ask uh, the guests where they grew up and how cooking became part of their world, but I feel more appropriate for me to ask you right off the bat about herbivore clothing. Um, You know, this book we're going to discuss, Eat Like You Give a Damn Recipes for the New Ethical Vegan, stems from your number one mission that you have been on since you opened Herbivore Clothing in 2002, which is to spread the word about animal rights. This book Book is an extension of that. So please, herbivore yeah. clothing is so much more than clothes. Tell us how herbivore clothing started and what it's all about. Um, all right. Well, herbivore started because Josh and I went vegan and we were like, um, hey y'all, did you know that this is what's happening to animals? <laughs> hey y'all. Um, this is totally screwed up and we need to do something about it right now. Yeah. So we, so of course we're like, well, what should we do? Oh, I want to put it, I want to put that I'm vegan on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. It's, and I always, I'm like, that's the American way, right? Right. Um, Yes. Put it on a t-shirt. So of course we looked back then in 2002 and there weren't very many t-shirts. Right. And, um, so we were like, let's make some shirts. And Josh is a designer and I could sell ice to an Eskimo. So <laughs> we, such an old fashioned saying, I should find I know, but a new it makes one. me giggle um, every time. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, <laughs> and we just, you know, we were just like young and dumb and we're like, let's do this. I mean, what do we have to lose except, you know, our good credit and all of our money that we don't actually have. Right, right. Um, There's that. So that's what we did. And we made a couple of shirts and, you know, we lived in a little apartment in Portland and um, J- Josh made a website that is, you know, absolutely, you look at it now and it's like, wow, that these are the early days of the internet. Sure. And, um, and uh, it was pretty, you know, pretty um, basic. But do you ever go worked. back? Do you ever go back? There's like a website where you can go back and look at websites that existed back in the day oh i should try that it's i can't remember what it is i'm sure you could just google like vintage websites or something but i look up my first one for vegan roadie and i'm like oh my gosh who else can see this i mean it's so um yeah i mean 2002 right wow i mean so yeah it was you know it was simple and we we just you know started some um went to a couple of veg fests and uh, we advertised in Veg News, and we um, then Josh has his background was punk rock and publishing, and so you know we took ads out in music magazines, um, and and I don't know if you know we also had a magazine. Um, Amazing. But that that ended that went from two thousand three to two thousand seven, okay. and then and then that ended, um, but. We just, you know, like... How often did you put out the magazine? We did the magazine quarterly for um, four years. Oh, my goodness. 15 issues. Wow. So, um, and honestly, they're beautiful because they're really well designed. Sure. That's, Um, I mean, that's just such a huge achievement. That's, that's amazing. 
it's it now that i think back on it i'm like how did we do all that's what i'm thinking i'm like oh my goodness just that's that's so much she did it and we both had other jobs and because you know my job funded everything and then josh worked like at the screen printer printing our shirts and then also printing everybody else's stickers so the guy who prints our stickers today is the guy that was josh's boss back you know 20 years ago um wow so so we just, you know, we started really small like that and kept growing and having more ideas and making the ideas and doing events and, you know, getting a better website every year. Or two. <laughs> and then we, in 2006, um, we had the, we finally had the guts to open up a really small little store at our, we had an office that was like $400 a month. And I was like, we can't afford this office. This is <laughs> And we, um, we built out the front of it and made a little tiny store that was seriously like, you know, like 300 square feet or 200 square feet, very small. Um, and it was amazing. And we had this big cookie party and like almost 200 people (gasps) came and it was crazy. Like, and this isn't, that was in 2006. Wow. And so then in 2007, we closed there and moved into the building where we are now with sweet pea and um food fight and scapegoat right um so and that's the vegan mini mall vegan mini mall alive and thriving in portland it is it is changing um sadly the the current situation has uh food fight has closed their location and um they also they still have another location in a different neighborhood in portland okay okay Um, i thought were they gonna I, I don't know, you know, all this stuff online, I, I, we've already discovered in this conversation, I'm a grandpa and I'm, I'm not caught up on anything. Were they going to close at one point previously and then someone took over? Or am I mixing that up with a different vegan grocery store? I think you're mixing, mixing it up. up. Okay. I don't know who that is, though. Yeah, um, I, maybe I made it up. Who knows? Look at this. You might have made it up. And you know what? Creativity is it's important. <laughs> to keep those creative fires burning. Um, I really appreciate you nurturing (laughs) my, my poor memory. That's great. I'm here to support you. Um, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, you know, they still have a location. And then the good news is that there's going to be a vegan cheese place going in where food fight was. Oh, uh, all right. Breaking news. Cultured kindness is opening there. Oh, I love that name. And you wait till you taste their cashew cheese. Oh, I can't wait. And then um, Scapegoat has moved across the parking lot okay. very far. And <laughs> Ice Queen, which is a um, vegan popsicle shop, is where Scapegoat was. Fantastic. So, so it's still it, all vegan. It's still all vegan. We're still there. We're still rocking it. And um, and yeah, we're not going to let the turkeys get us down. Yeah, I made the, the biggest mistake when I filmed in Portland. I was trying to get a, a wide variety in the episode. And I covered the mini mall, but I didn't get to go into every place. And I kind of, that was one of the biggest regrets that I had um, when we did that episode. But you know what? There's always next time. Uh, there, there'll There's be always a, next I'll time. show up with a camera at some point and get in everyone's Do face, it. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Well, 
you also have when we think about the magazine though i'm thinking right now then that ties into like there's the vegan high five blog that you have and then the, a weekly wonderful just came through in my inbox today so y- y- y'all are still writing over there and sending us good vibes through uh the technology we, waves these days we are and you know it's um the vegan high five is funny because we started that in january uh josh had this idea he's like you know, it's, it's been a bit of a bummer of a world. Um, even before COVID it was just, you know, a little tough. And so Josh is like, we need to just do something to put like, just to get in front of folks and just to be there and make people laugh. And, you know, community is where it's at, you know, real connection, you know, interacting with people. And we had started last fall, um, something called bingo war, which was our bingo. We we host a bingo literally in a church basement and it was so much fun. (laughs) It was a runaway hit. We had like 75 people every time we did it or more. And great prizes from all kinds of rad vegan companies. Oh, that's great. Just super fun. So we started Bingo Vore. And then we were like, this community, we've got to keep this going. And then we started the high five. And then COVID happened. But we have put out 41 issues of the vegan high five. And Josh is like, that's over 200 good things. He's like, I didn't even know that many existed in the world. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so great. So, I mean, you guys really are pushing out good vibes from social media to that. If you guys are not on the, or listeners, if you're not on the email list, they can sign up for it at uh, herbivoreclothing.com, I would imagine, right? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. It's it's just yeah. a way to get a little love in your inbox. Uh, almost on the daily. I feel it pops up pretty often. No, every other no. day, every few days. Well, we have the weekly wonderful on Sunday. Okay. We have the buy five on Tuesday, which nice. is our first real, like only, it's really our only pure sales kind of email, um, which is just products that we're into and that we have and that are new. And then we have the high five and we're going to start a local one that's just for people in Portland. Um, that's going to be called PDX Shopivore. That's just more local stuff because as, um, as the world has changed this year, just the way that we're all interacting with one another. There's so much stuff that's, you know, international, right? You're online. You can talk to anybody anywhere, anytime, but local stuff is a lot more different. You're not seeing people like in, you know, face to face. Right. And we want people to know that we are open as a shop, not with the same long hours we used to have, but we are open and we would love to see your face and you can come and shop in person or your eyes above your mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where and yeah, and see part of your face. I am really good at faces. Like I, I can meet someone like six years ago, and they'll walk in the store again, and I'll be like, I remember that conversation we had, and people will be like, You're weird. Oh, I want that talent. That's great. I have it. I can't remember their name for the life of me. Yeah, but you can remember the conversation. I mean, that's great for Veg Fest too, because that always happens. I love that. And, and Josh is pretty good at it too, but I'm really, really good at faces. And I, the other day I was, I've been working at the store on Fridays and Saturdays and, um, you know, cause it's just like back to, back to mom and pop working at the shop. Sure. And, um, and I recognized three people just from their eyes. I was like, hi. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, so good. So well, you're so, so in touch, so in touch. I love it. I'm trying. So you and Josh wrote this cookbook together. Had you, before you, 
uh, the story you talk about the story of of when you met i think one of you were vegetarian and one of you he was vegan and you were vegetarian is that correct when when we met he had been vegan for two weeks there we go and i was a carnivore there and and so how long ago was that then that was in 1999 okay okay and so had you yeah. guys cooked when when you when when then everyone went vegan eventually? Had you mm-hmm. guys both cooked at that point, or 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 when did that really start do. to happen? He still does not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can chop very well. Okay, and great. That you know that's really all I need. Um, I loved food. I loved. I worked in restaurants, um, not as a cook. I worked as a server and sure. as a bartender. Um, but I had lots of friends that worked in restaurants and this was all omnivore stuff, not vegan at all. Um, so when we went vegan, you know, he was vegan first and I didn't go vegan until like, until early in 2002 sometime. I don't actually know exactly when I went vegan because I was vegetarian in, I became vegetarian in 2000 and, um, and, and then I, but I couldn't give up cheese. And I talk about this in the book yeah. because I was like, I'm well, a, I was totally addicted to cheese, but I also was like, vegans are so extreme and <laughs> I'm not that extreme. Oh, that's, you know, like that's, that's a little weird. That's a little much. Right. Right. And, and, uh, and I'm like, I literally was the girl that was saying, well, can you just go vegetarian again so yeah. that we can go to brunch? Like, <laughs> Can I cuss? Like, was I such a bitch? Oh yeah, yeah you can go for it. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> um, and he made me a deal. He said, "You read this book, and if you still want me to go vegetarian after, I will." And the book was "Diet for a New America" by mm-hmm. John Robbins, which it was is like a book that turned you know lots of old vegans. It's the book that they read that made them vegan, right? And, because it talks about you know the reality of factory farming and animals and all of it. And of course I read the book and was like, I can't believe this. I'm going vegan. Um, so, so, and actually I didn't actually go vegan for a little while longer because I was, I just still didn't want to, I still clung to the cheese sure. until, until I was like, why am I buying vegan cheese and cow cheese? Right. And then putting vegan, and, it, and then I was like, Oh my God, I'm such a hypocrite. I just need to get over myself. And <laughs> So one day at work, I was like, I emailed the, the, um, like the person who coordinated my team at work. And I was like, Carmen, I just want to let you know that I'm vegan now. So when you order food, when we have to work late, please just make sure you order enough vegan food. And that was my thing. I was like, and then I texted or no, I didn't text him because there weren't texting. It wasn't even a thing back then. <laughs> but, um, I probably emailed them. Or called him on the telephone and said, I'm vegan. It's just stupid. I don't know why I didn't do it before. <laughs> I should have done it earlier. Hey, so. But you're not, I mean, that's kind of how it goes for a lot of people, which is where this book is great because you dive into all that stuff and you're coming from a, a firsthand place of it. You know, that moment where you're hanging yeah. on to that last thing and you can be like, you know, it was, I just finally made the decision and it was done. And were you cooking when you went vegan, was cooking in your life before you went vegan and when you were working at restaurants, even though you were, you know, a server and all that, yeah. but like, or did it really amp up after you finally went vegan? Did you find a, a newfound interest in it? I, I liked cooking a lot and Josh wasn't much of a cook. So, and I liked cooking and I just had done it. My, my mom and dad both cooked. My grandpa cooked. Um, 
it was just a thing in my family. So I knew my way around a kitchen, but I knew my way around a meat and cheese kitchen. Sure. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't know really anything about vegan cooking the way that we do now. Um, I was very much like a newbie and just, you know, like what's nutritionally yeast? Right. Like, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> well, um, and back then you were like, and where the heck do I get it? Like what? No. Like now I'm like, how did that even? Oh, it's so know? cool to see on gro- in grocery store shelves now when you see nutritional oh. yeast. I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you. It's just amazing. It's so so, but really going like going vegan and then being vegan longer and then being a person who has a vegan business and then you know you're always you know, even if you're just the one vegan in the room mm-hmm. you're you're suddenly the expert mm-hmm. right right you're the expert in veganism you're the expert in vegan cooking sure and it just so happens that I liked cooking a lot I love cooking for people. I love, you know, having friends over. That was always something that I liked. And so just, you know, the longer that I was vegan, the more I got into cooking. And I think that, I mean, who knows what my life would have been like if I had never met Josh and had never gone vegan. Maybe I would have like wound up, you know, doing the same kind of stuff with meat and and with animal parts. I don't know. But, um, but it definitely was, I think, um, I think I feel more of a success of it because of the community and because of the, just because of the vegan world. Right. Right. Um, and, and because it, it goes so much with everything kind of like me sort of needing everything to click together. Right. Um, you know, like I love to cook and I love to like help people and I love to, you know, um, make people happy and you can do all of those things with food yeah, and absolutely food, which then doesn't hurt animals. So it's like, I get to tick off all these boxes yeah. that I like to tick off. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Just by, just by getting in the kitchen and tying that apron on. Do you remember what your first vegan cookbook was that you owned? Oh, absolutely. Ooh, tell, um, us, tell us. My very first vegan cookbook was how it all began by Sarah Kramer. There you go. Um, and she, my best friend who was, who I was thinking about when I was talking, you know, writing down those qualities, um, Kirsten, she bought that book for Josh and I, when we moved from Chicago to California and, um, we still have the book and I have a little tiny picture of, um, it's like a little tiny, like half inch by half inch Polaroid. I don't know if you like that was taken of Josh and I, when we opened that book as a gift and it's on the front of the book. Oh, that, is that what that is? Oh, I, oh, no, 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 no. I was going to say oh, no. I don't have that. Oh, oh it's wait, on no, the front no, of no. your, I was looking no, at the back of your book now, but that's not what you're, you're talking about on the book that you got as the gift. It's literally on the front of my copy of how it all began. Oh, I love that. That's great. I was like, wait, I don't see a Polaroid. I got oh, a, I got yeah. a different cover. Yeah. Oh, uh, but you. now that I think about it, oh God, that would have been cool. But anyway. <laughs> the next one you can do it for the <laughs> new, new ethical vegan. So let's dive into eat like you give a damn recipes okay. for the new ethical vegan released in 2015. Is that right? Yes. So this is much more than a cookbook. It's almost a, a manifesto for your entire herbivore brand. And, and what do you mean by new ethical vegan? So that is a great question. Um, oh, I thank you. Thank you for asking it. <laughs> the reason, the reason that we wanted those words there was not to piss people off and have people go, well, now, now I'm not an ethical vegan, so I'm not going to buy this book. Right. Because some people did say that, unfortunately. Oh, my God. 
Oh, you know, whatever. Um, but it's because when you go vegan, you often feel very alone. And you, even today, when people, when you have right. the entire internet at your disposal, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, they don't know. And right. so they, and they feel silly for asking. So we wanted to have a book that was basically the book that Josh needed when he went vegan in 1999, two weeks before we met. Yeah. When he literally didn't, you know, know how to really do anything in the kitchen except for chop stuff. And, and so that's why it includes the, the, the material that's at the beginning, but that's also why it has recipes for like every time of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, right. dessert, right. and why it's pretty basic. It's, you know, it's stuff that we had been making for years. Right. By the time we published this in 2015, you know, we'd been cooking for a long time together. Um, but it's stuff that we cooked all the time. And then, you know, clearly we had to make more recipes too, but, um, but it's just, just some, just so that it felt normal to be vegan and also just to always be talking about ethical veganism. We are vegan for animals. Some people are vegan for their health. Some people are vegan for the environment. Some people are vegan because it's a trend. There are all these different things. And we want this to be about ethics because to us, that's why people stay vegan. So we wanted to just put that out there. And we feel super fortunate that we worked with book publishing company who have published some of the most like classic vegan cookbooks of all of ever, um, like the nutritional yeast cookbook. And, you know, they're literally the people that brought nutritional yeast to America. They're like heroes upon heroes in the vegan movement. I love that. So we were very honored to be published um, with them and they gave us control over the book and what we wanted to make it and be and what we wanted it to look like and how we want it to sound. So, um, well, you really get where you're in in the beginning. I love the introduction because you give us a sort of glimpse into the face of exactly what you're talking about, sort of the everyday life of vegans. And and if you're new and the things you're sort of faced with and the thing I love too, that you just said about feeling alone when you go vegan, I, there were times when I first went vegan, I refer to it now in my demos at, at, uh, food festivals as the vegan police, you feel alone because sometimes if you get faced with the wrong people right away, it really hits you in the wrong way where you're just kind of like you know what I'm, I'm going back home and i'm gonna pour cow's milk on my on my cereal because i'm just so i'm so confused now and i'm upset because i feel like i'm doing the wrong thing so i'm just gonna go yeah. completely back to my old ways um exactly. and i Ugh. feel in this you really give you know in the beginning you have a section on the reason for veganism the reason you and josh are vegan um and you you talk about why we should give a damn uh you cover the frequently asked questions uh sort of advice on answering those questions or response and statements for like, where do you get your protein? But I could never give up cheese. Why are vegans so preachy? Um, <laughs> you know, on the preachy note, why don't you give our listeners a little taste then? Why are vegans so preachy? You know, I mean, I think about how I was when I first went vegan. And I'm <laughs> so bad for my mom and dad. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, I was a full, I was a grown ass adult acting like a just like a, yeah, yeah, I was just being terrible. But, um, you know, I really, I think the reason is because it's like, 
that light bulb went off, right? Right. right. Like I said, the first question you asked me, how did herbivore start? It's because we went vegan and we were like, everybody needs to know this. Like you do not need to drink milk to have strong bones. That's a marketing right. like plan that has been absorbed into your psyche. Mm-hmm. You are literally owned by the dairy industry. That's bullshit. And you need to break free of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, all of these things that we literally, that we thought were true, you know, and, and this cognitive dissonance that we're all taught, like, you know, be kind to animals and this, you know, old McDonald had a farm and then it's like, you know, eat, eat your dinner. It's, you know, this, uh, this chicken is, you know, literally my best friend before I had a kid, her daughter was like, um, totally thought that she knew that she ate chicken because they were they The family wasn't vegan or anything. And she's like, well, that's a different kind of chicken. The chickens on the farm, those are one, that's that, those are chickens. This is different. She didn't realize, no, you're actually eating an animal. It like, she had thought that it was two totally different things because that's what the world teaches you. It doesn't teach you that, you know, you're eating literally a baby animal that's been, you know, fed, you know, all the things. Yeah. And, And, uh, and so that's why we can be preachy. We're, it comes from a good place when it often maybe doesn't uh, doesn't leave our mouths that way. Yeah, I think it depends <laughs> on who's preaching, you know? I mean, and I, I think a lot of us over time, we sort of, uh, some do and some don't, but hone their skill in and, and uh, on their preachiness to sort of, you know, zoom in on who they're talking to and be like, how can I, I talk to this person longer? You know, it, 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 in, a, in a positive way. Uh, but it, you talk about raising a child vegan in the book. Give us the gist on that. I know this, this is a big topic, but if you had to bottom line it for our listeners on raising a, a child vegan. So you have a baby and you come home and, and the baby is with you and you've never done it before and you're vegan. So you raise your baby vegan, just like people that aren't vegan raise their babies the way that they eat. <laughs> and exactly. It's like people think it's this crazy difficult thing. Right. Right. And it's not at all there. You know, the, the very boring American dietetic association and American medical association, all these groups say veganism is absolutely fine at any stage of life from being an infant to being a, you know, a pregnant person. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, biggest challenge to raising a vegan child is all the people that don't understand how, how easy it is to raise a vegan child. Right. Like you're just, you know, that raising a child isn't easy regardless of your diet. It's a ton of work. It's a huge commitment. Don't get pregnant unless you really want to be a parent. That's my biggest advice, but you know, there's especially that's good advice by the way. like it's down to the basics. Right. Right. Um, but it's, you know, there's so much information out there now and it's absolutely clear that you can be healthy and oftentimes more healthy, but not always, you know, it's not a panacea for, for any, for disease in any way, because you can be a very unhealthy vegan, but you can be a very unhealthy omnivore and sure. it's not about health anyway. It's about teaching a new human that you brought into this world or that you you know, adopted and, and are, and are raising in this world to be the kind of person that the world needs to, you know, to live with compassion and to, you know, to treat 
creatures that have less power or, you know, beings that have less power with respect and all of the lessons that veganism teaches us in, you know, just of kindness and, and how to live and how to not put ourselves first all the time. Um, those are the lessons in to teach kids that I think are, are even harder than what to make them for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. For sure. You know? For sure. So, I, I really love that the beginning of this book is so special in that, that you really do give a glimpse into all these different facets and sort of uh, give p- vegans who have been vegan for a long time, but then those who are new sort of, if you've been vegan for a long time, you give some insight sort of on answering the questions and having the conversation. And then if it's someone who's new, you're giving a great wealth of information. So I, it's a really great opening oh, to this this book. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you guys also did the photos for these. That beat picture when you first opened the book is my favorite thing in the world. World. I love it. It's, isn't it so good? It's I love so that. Good. And I love beets so much. Oh, so good. I, my husband loves them. I'm okay with them. I like them, but he loves them. But you guys have to, everyone listening, you need to go get the book and see this beet. When you open it right up, there's a beet and a palm. It's delicious. Uh, it, it's so gorgeous. And, and of course, then we get to the food. Uh, this, what I love about this book that for me, that there's a variety of vegan food that makes me feel Vegan comfort, but not in a way where I'm looking at that going, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel so gross after I eat that. No, instead, it's sort of that, you know, that feeling of, of, you keep it sort of old school in this book, giving us, like yeah. you said, the things that you, the, the great book you wish you would have had right when, when you went vegan. Right. It's, it's got all of those basics in there. In the breakfast chapter, you go in on the scrambles, which I love. You've got a variety of them. You've got the herbivore tofu scramble, the souk scramble, the survival scramble, the ranch scramble. Uh, can you give us a variety uh, of, of like pick from that variety? What's your favorite one and tell us about it? Oh, man. You know, honestly, I think my favorite one is just the basic one. Which um, is that that's the herbivore tofu scramble? Yeah, because I, what I do is, I mean, so yeah, I, and we love tofu. We eat a ton of tofu. So do we. Yeah. So I, um, I will make the basic tofu scramble and, and then sort of put in whatever vegetables I have on hand, because as I say, I say it in the intro to that recipe, it's like, when you ate eggs, you didn't put vegetables in your eggs. Right. Like most people don't let's, right. let's be real. But then suddenly you're vegan forever and you're like, is this even a meal if there's something, if there's no green, like, am I even vegan right now? (laughs) So, so for me, that basic scramble is pretty much life. But if I had to make one of the, if I had to, and actually the one that I do make the most is the ranch scramble because Mm -hmm. who doesn't want some sour cream on their scramble? Come on. Give me that brunch situation. Yeah. And it's like ranch dressing. So I was like, well, like what, you know, what are the flavors in Hidden Valley Ranch? Perfect. <laughs> Let's put that in a tofu scramble because that would be good. Absolutely. And you've even got um, uh, a nut butter and bacon toast. I mean, what a dream to feature some bacon crumbles or strips from from uh, that uh, and or store-bought bacon even if you're keeping it simple. You've got crumbles um, we can make in the book, but someone could buy store-bought bacon, vegan bacon and um, put it on there. Absolutely. Uh, Those frontier brand um, bacon bits that you can get like at any regular grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. They're like kind of a weird red color, whatever. I grew up eating 
peanut butter toast with bacon bits on it. Ooh. And the full-on omnivore family, I don't think our bacon bits were ever real bacon. They were those bacos. Uh, and that was just like, that was just breakfast. Right, like, right. It, it's, people are like, that sounds so weird. And I'm like, put it in your mouth and then tell me that. Put it in your weird. mouth and we'll go from there. Yeah, <laughs> I made I made the uh, oatberry breakfast bars, and they came together so easily. And they were like a nice little handheld cobbler to eat for breakfast. It was so delicious. So good. Yeah, and, and then we're gonna move into the staples chapter. I did okay. make the cashew cream and the yellow rose parm for the mac and cheese. Uh, oh. So I made the mac and cheese later when we moved into the mains. That's in the mains chapter. But you mentioned yeah. the yellow rose parm was from a 2007 cookbook published by Herbivore called Yellow Rose Recipes. Has Herbivore yeah. published other books? Like, what's the situation? I got you got the magazine, but any other books? We did, yeah, we did the magazine. We did Yellow Rose, and then we also did the Vegan Pregnancy Survival Guide. Amazing. Was not written by me. Was written by a woman named Sayward, and she's um, on Instagram at Bonsai Aphrodite, and she has like her son Waits is now I don't know like maybe eight or 10. I, it's ridiculous, but she's vegan and, and lives in California now. Um, but she wrote that book. She's a scientist and she teaches, um, at UC Santa Barbara. Um, but she wrote that book and we published it and then we wound up selling the rights to book publishing company Okay, and they reprint it now and it's still available. That's great. Just move, yeah. moving and shaking over there at Herbivore. Trying. Uh, you do. You have all, and you have all the stuff everyone needs in that Staples chapter. You've got Popeye pesto, tofu ricotta, guacamole, barbecue sauce, gravy, preparations for tofu, and tempeh. What's a staple you can't live without? You know, it is in my refrigerator all the time, and I make it all the time. Is my the tahini sauce in there? I know that sounds boring. That sounds that delicious is, to me. Oh my god, it's. The most perfect tahini sauce recipe. Um, it's so simple and just the ratios are perfect. So I would strongly rec- recommend that. And then the other big staples that we make all the time are the seitan roast okay. and the sausages. When we make our own seitan, I use that. And then like the basic tofu and tempeh, we do it. That's how we do our tofu and tempeh all the time whether with barbecue sauce or just with nutritional yeast or just with like Frank's red hot. Mm-hmm. Um, those, you know, it's, it, those are really, those are recipes we eat weekly. And, um, and so yeah. just like, Everything comes together so easily in that chapter. I love it, which is great for staples because you want to be able to make it quick and then just have it on hand so you can get to it. Uh, and we get after that, we go into the salads and soups. I made the sunny split pea soup. Again, came mm-hmm. together easy. Actually, it fed me all week, but I have some actually that I'm going to have tonight with dinner as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've also got my eye on Ruby's tomato soup and the coconut curry red lentil. They look delicious. And with salad, okay, listen. I can't. I, know. I can't with you because I like kale. Like I'm fine with it. I like a salad. <laughs> I'm fine with it. 
But like, you know, I don't like love either kale or a salad. But I had kale last week and I flipped open. It it was like the universe was like, no, no, you need to make this. Because I don't know, Michelle will be real. I don't know if I've ever made a kale salad from anyone's book, to be from a book. I swear to you. And it flipped open to this, and I was like, you know what? I got I got nine cups of kale. All right, I'll do this. I got the other ingredients too. So you everyone listening, it's the only kale can save us now salad. Michelle, I've made it probably five times since last week. It's so good. It it's is so good. It's ridiculous. I know. I know. I know. And I don't I wish I even knew. It's basically like kind of like tahini dressing, but then you make it extra thick and clingy with the flax meal. So good. And you, it's the flax. I mean, tamari, tahini, lemon juice, a little seasoning tossed in the the hemp seeds. I don't usually like, I have them around and I use them and stuff, but I I just tossed them out. I was like, oh, that's so good. It's just, it was, I'm not even joking, listeners. I've continued to make, I actually had it for lunch today. So. Say that, and it is makes me very proud. I'm super duper duper proud of that recipe, and even my dad, who like yes. I don't think my dad ate kale until ah you did it you did until I, I, this salad seriously, and, and you know he, he of course he has to say something like well I wouldn't eat this very often right very rough it's very rough. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. It's oh, not my rough. goodness. Well, everyone, it's called The Only Kale Can Save Us Now Salad. I'm obsessed, and I know you will be too, especially because it's so easy to make. Uh, not to be ignored ever is the sides chapter. What are some sides that you love from this book to serve with your main dishes? So we make the crushed and crispy potatoes mm-hmm. and the polenta fries Perfect. Or, or just the polenta all that, the time. That's per- I'm I'm I've got my those sound delicious and I have my eye on the pesto parmesan corn on the cob. And that is so good but it's kind of one of those recipes that I I I admit that it's sort of annoying cuz it's like it's a recipe but it's really three recipes. No, I got you cuz you got to make the pesto, you got to make the parm, then you're going to make the corn on the cob, put it all together, but look what you get when you put it together. Oh my god, when you get it to, in in the summertime, it's oh. like so maybe yeah. that's like one of those special, you know, it's the kale salad you're making every day, but the pesto parmesan, yeah. I mean, even just saying that pesto parmesan corn on I the cob, it. like I want it in my mouth right now. Um, and I, I noticed you make use of broccoli stalks in the book too, which I'm a huge fan of. Can you tell us about the ginger broccoli stalks? I mean, just my whole thing was like, I would have an entire crisper full of broccoli stalks. I love it. You Reduce, reuse, recycle. I mean, and so, and I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do with these? You can also use them like celery, which I do all the time. And actually a couple of the soup recipes, um, use them. The, in, the split that, pea soup that you have in there that I yeah. made used it. And it's, I mean, celery, broccoli stock, whatever. It's, it's, it's not the same, but it's almost the same. So we just, I'm like, well, we need to do something fun and adventurous with these. And so just like a stir fry sauce. And then that stir fry sauce is ridiculous on tofu too. And just, or just do some basic tofu and double the sauce, make the broccoli stalks and then you and make some rice and boom, you've got like, uh, you know, homemade takeout. So good. So good. I love so it. Good. And for I mains, know. my goodness, I made the restaurant style, uh, baked macaroni. So here's the deal too. I usually try and cook one to two recipes out of the book before I go to it, but already here, this is like number three or four. Like I just kind of kept flipping through. And the best part was, that I was like, Oh, I have that. 
Oh, I have that. Oh, I'll make yeah. that really quick. Um, I made the restaurant style baked macaroni and cheese with the great suggestion. You had a couple in there, but I put a couple dashes of hot sauce in it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a winner. Uh, stuff like this makes this book uh, such a great base book. It's it's. We have recipes new vegans are craving, but with this, and then it's an easy spin on it, utilizing store-bought vegan cheddar shreds that it made it so so simple to pull together for me. Yeah. And that's the idea is that it's not something that's so difficult to do. It's totally normal. You probably have all of these ingredients or you can just get them at whatever your local you know grocery store is. Right. That's what we wanted. We didn't want it to be... I, mean, I love project cooking. I love you know sure. having to four different markets and all that. But this is like, I want to get my family fed or me and my boyfriend need to eat or whatever. And it's not hard and it tastes really, really good. And it doesn't taste, it tastes familiar. Right. Right. What everybody wants. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of what everyone wants, everyone loves a pot pie. Tell us about the hungry vegan pot pie. So the pot pie, because like, I mean, I grew up eating, you know, hungry man dinners and frozen pot pies. pies. (laughs) And it's like, don't mess with something that's perfect. right? Right. Like to keep it super basic. And put some peas in it, <laughs> like <laughs> right, and, you know, and the, and, I, and and then biscuits on top because, like, oh, who's got time to mess with a freaking crust? Not me. Like, I'm not a big baker. Like, a quick bread or a cookie, that's about as deep as I go in baking. So, for me, just like putting biscuits on top. It's or so if you're good. super lazy, just some puff pastry. I mean, come on. I actually love the biscuit idea because it, to me, it's so much easier to serve then. You're not cutting in. You can like, you like do a scoop and you have a biscuit on top of it and you're like, that's it. That's a serving. I'm good. Like, I'm not going to dig in for like more. Like, that is the scoop. It's good. I'm good for now. Now it's, I got more for later. Yeah, it's true. And like when that, whenever there's a pot pie that has a crust and then you cut the pie, the crust never cuts. No, it never cuts. Yeah, it never and cuts then, perfectly. And you're fighting over the crust. You're fighting over the crust, and then the pie is like seeping out. It's just a, so the skillet, no good. the the uh, the biscuit situation is 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 helpful, and it, it streamlines everything. It streamlines it. Our biscuit recipe is not. I'm not a huge like you know half a cup of butter person. Sure. I'm I'm I just can't do it. I just don't know why. I've never been that way. So it's a little bit more on the healthful side, but it, it still is perfect and. Good. A healthful side and you're putting it with uh, a bunch of like gravy veggies like that's great yeah. that's perfect yeah. what about the the skillet taco pizzas <laughs> so those um so that <laughs> that recipe is i think i call it a cultural abomination because like <laughs> i come you know i'm like now you know i'm like wow what a difference five years makes sure, right sure um, but it's like a cast iron pizza that is modeled after. So I went to college in Lawrence, Kansas, and there was this place that had a taco pizza. It was a place called Rudy's. And basically it was a pizza that had refried beans as the sauce. Gotcha. And then like, you know, salsa and whatever. And for some reason I really, really liked it. And I tried to recreate it, but with, you know, more and better and bigger. Sure. So, um, the, I think the best part about this recipe is the the tofu queso fresco that's mm. on there because that stuff is really good. Already um, sounds delicious. It's really good. And it's actually really easy to come together. And then I love cast iron skillet pizza because 
then it's like got a little handle the top of the pizza does, you know? I don't sure, know. It's just, sure. It's just perfect. No, I got you. But my most favorite recipe from the mains chapter and I, is the roasted beet burgers. Ah, tell us why. You did mention that in an email to me. Tell me why. So I, um, especially to you who said that you don't really love beets. Um, <laughs> You're challenging me, I can tell. I'm you. like, please make it and let me know. <laughs> um, it is... It's just so delicious. I don't know what um, it's. I mean, it's like maybe it's because it's um, thyme, you know, like and tamari and olive oil. And then you're roasting the beets and mm-hmm. mushrooms and tofu. And it's got nutritional yeast in there. Um, they're gluten free as is, which is important to a lot of people. And the way your house smells is insanity when you're making them. I would recommend making a double batch, especially if you like beets and you can use any grain besides rice or quinoa or farro. You can use any grain and they just taste incredible. And I like them because they're red. So they look meaty. Um, It's just that visual is kind of fun. Right. And um, I did a cooking demo once at a place and that um, there's a doctor named Milton Mills. He's like a vegan, um, you know, he gives a lot of talks at health conferences and stuff. And he was in the kitchen and, uh, I was like, Oh, do you want to taste this? And he's like, sure. And, uh, and he ate it and he's like, Oh my God, that's so good. That's so good. What is that? And I was like, it's a beet burger. He's like, no, it's not. Ooh. I, hate I hate beets. You fed me beets. Uh- and I was like, I, I, yeah, sorry. Uh, you liked it. <laughs> you did it. So, I did it. And yeah, so li- that's another thing that is, we eat that at least once a month. That's um, great. I'll have to try it. My, I'll get my husband to make it maybe because he loves them beets. One of my best friends, um, he loves it with beets, but his husband hates beets. And so they make it with sweet potatoes. Oh, so, well, it no, works. I want to try it with the beets. I like beets enough to know. I got to know. I got to know now. I got to try. I got to try. <laughs> Especially that you have that, the person you gave it to and they didn't like beets and they loved it. So come on now. Uh, you have associated with our sweet tooth in this with some baked goods, uh, muffins and bars. There's some cappuccino, orange chocolate chip cookies ah. that are just like standing, shouting out at me like, bake me, bake me. What's a baked good you would tell someone just getting the book to make straight away? Oh, that cookie is really good it's not my recipe it's from julie hassan who's lived, lives here in portland and she's written a bunch of vegan cookbooks yeah. like casseroles vegan pizza um but God, you know i though but i would say maybe the spicy god it's so hard i make the <laughs> fillet cornbread like all the time mm. but i don't even use oil anymore in it i just i and i use i make it differently now but you can just make it without the oil and be like, sure. you'll be like, and it's really good. Or you can make it with the oil. Um, I mean, do your thing. Do your thing. It's good to know I that it's versatile enough to make without the oil. That's fantastic. So good. But the biggest like successful recipe in here, I think is probably also not my recipe. It's the sweet pea snickerdoodles Ooh. because it's literally the recipe from, from the bakery Sure. at the home, uh, you know, level. And, it's ridiculous. I They're love so that. I'll have to make those. Yeah. I love a good snickerdoodle. Oh, well, this is the part we get to the book brag. Book brag. Can you tell us something you're most oh. proud of about this book or something you want to brag about when it comes to this book? 
that I did it. <laughs> That's um, perfect. Yeah. You know, um, it, I am proud of the body of work that it shows. Yeah. I'm so proud that I use it all the time. It is in my own kitchen and it is covered in food and it's super gross. And it's probably like the 10th copy that I've had at my house. Cause I always give them, just give them to people. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I just, that I, yeah, that's, but that's, I, that's it. I love that book brag of you use it all the time. That, that to me says so much about a book when the author uses it all the time, because that means you actually really like the recipes that you wrote. You know, I love it. Like it you, literally is what we eat. That and that yeah. that's so. So it, you weren't just writing it to write it. You were writing it because you actually had this information. It's it's tried and true. And I want people to have this information too. And yeah. I want people to have delicious, easy to make, nutritious food for themselves and their family. And I, I, you know, we sell a lot of cookbooks. I love cookbooks. I have all of your cookbooks. I have. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. My, you do, you, everyone and, needs to go to the, I mean, even online oh, at herbivoreclothing.com, it, the cookbook section. Ooh, it's, it's, it's like vegan Powell's, which is, you know, the, the popular indie bookstore here in Portland that is like the best. We're like vegan pals, but I operate on this idea when I'm buying a book or, or assessing the quality of a cookbook if there is one recipe in that book that I make over and over again, the book is worth its cover price. I agree with you. Only needs to be one recipe because how many times will you make that? How many people will you cook it for? So there are lots of books that I have that I use only one recipe, but there, and then there are lots of books that I use a bunch, but mine, I love it. Like there's probably 20 things in here that we just have uh, in rotation all the time. That's great. Oh. That's great. That's a great I, book brag. Mm, yes. Thank you for letting me brag. Oh, are you kidding me? It's my favorite part. It's It really is my favorite part of this when I get to ask that question. And I love that one of cooking from your book. I think it's so special. And that you did the damn thing. Like it is a huge, <laughs> writing a book is very difficult. So I love it when people say that too, because congrats to you. Writing a book is, is an achievement in itself. So good book brags all around. Let's move on to your baker's dozen rapid fire question. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Here we go. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Food on a skewer or a tiny spoon? Mm, Tiny spoon. This one's going to be hard. Favorite herbivore design you and Josh have ever created? Oh. There have been so many. Is that that not a fair question? But does something pop out right away? Compassion is invincible. Oh, I love that. That's good. Uh, Because... Yeah. Yeah. No, say it because let's talk more about that. Yes. Give it. Yes. Because like, you know, being compassionate takes more strength than being a jerk. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And living with your heart and not being afraid to put others first and to be of service and to be a helper and to care is what is like, you know, that's, that's your heart is your biggest muscle. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And do you have that on shirts and stuff right now? That's still we, popping around. I'm trying to think compassion is invincible. Yes. Great. I somewhere. Some, I don't know if it's on a shirt right now. It's, it, but it's there. But it, it's there. It's there. It's yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Hot sauce or barbecue sauce? Oh, hot sauce. Job before herbivore clothing. 
I was, I worked in college admissions. Oh, oh, that doesn't sound boring at all. No, it was very fun. I got to interview kids. Oh, that does life. sound fun, actually. That's great. No, I didn't even, really for some reason, I just thought of you like pushing papers around when I thought of that. But that's so much more exciting <laughs> than what my brain thought of. That's great. Uh, favorite spice to cook with? Well, is garlic a spice? It's yeah. A yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, why not? Uh, who's the most creative person you know? Oh, man. The most creative person I know. Oh my God. Well, I mean, Josh is so creative. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a cop out because he's my husband, but he's amazing. He makes all of our art and he does all of our design and his brain, the way it works is so creative and he sees things completely differently than me, but like, so it's perfect. So I Josh, love that. Josh, Josh, it is. And most frequently used tool in the kitchen. Oh, besides a knife, it would be my Vitamix. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Me too. What yeah. is your most used emoji on your phone? Oh, <laughs> um, the one where the eye, one eye is bigger than the other and they're all like looking confused. <laughs> <laughs> I just started using that one. I just discovered it. And now that's one of my most used emojis too. That and the shrug. Huh? Uh, I'm like <laughs> cupcakes or donuts. Ooh. Probably donuts, but I, I don't have a very big sweet tooth. Okay. All right. If, if forced to eat sweets, then you're going to choose a donut. Favorite 80s yeah. sitcom? Oh, God. Favorite 80s sitcom. Well, I mean, that was when I was, you know, my formative years. So Facts of Life was yes. totally. I'm here for that <laughs> choice. And your final one, favorite board game? Oh, you think you know me, which is my friend Amy's game. And we play it all the time. We sell it at Herbivore. It's a question game, kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's like Cards for Humanity. There's and another game that you have called uh, Flatter, Flatter Me. me. Yeah, yeah, that's also one that I've been seeing. We have Flatter Me, actually. Do you? Yeah, yeah, or do yeah. you have to know me? Because Flatter Me is brand new. We have Flatter Me. I feel like the other one, was there a Kickstarter? for? Say the other one's name again. Yeah, you think you know me. I feel like I'm. I did that Kickstarter as well. Maybe I you ha- might have. We just moved in the last year, so if it was sent out, maybe it's sitting somewhere that I just haven't unpacked or something. Yet. Yeah, um, they're big. Um, they're just communication games mm-hmm. and card games and you know, table. There, it's a tabletop game, um, not a video game, and they are so much fun to play with anybody. And um, yeah, yeah they're recommend. positive. They're positive games. Yes. And I love that. Well, listen, it's uh, just an honor to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. Everyone, get a copy of Eat Like You Give a Damn Recipes for the New Ethical Vegan. I highly recommend you get your copy at the source and purchase it. Where, Michelle? What's the website everybody can get herbivore clothing goods on? Herbivoreclothing.com. That's right. And what about social media? How can people find you on social media? We're on Instagram at herbivoreclothing. And then we also post on Facebook sometimes. So but mostly Instagram on our website, on our blog and on Dustin's awesome podcast. Yes. You guys, everyone just check out everything herbivore. I, I have my eat like you, like uh, you give a damn t-shirt. I've, been wearing it out now for years i should probably get another one i have a trucker hat too love everything from there um and i've been eyeing your be kind mason jars as well so maybe i need to do a little shopping soon uh all kinds of goodies for you to spend your hard-earned dollars on people at herbivoreclothing.com michelle you're the best thank you for being here. you are the best thank you so much for having me on 
I literally can't with how wonderful they are, the things they do. And Michelle is just just a ball of knowledge and a ball of sweet and a ball of doing right for the world. She's so good. Um, it's very bottom-lined with her, which is what I love, and I want to be more like that. Basically, like, respect all beings. And if you're not, you're kind of being a jerk. Yeah, which goes out to what we were saying at the beginning. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like, don't be a jerk. Yeah, what a great episode to have her on, right? Yeah. So kind of speaking of real real compassion yeah all around that she selected i love that she speaks to of like sort of getting away from putting yourself first she's like if you can kind of do that then you're you're doing something good for the world which i i will admit i have struggles with all the time because then we we get mixed in the mind right about like well what about self-care and i need to put myself first which i believe there's a world for that so it's all about finding that balance all about that balance all about that balance. Speaking of balance, mm. what do we got for Dustin's dish? Oh, you want a little balance, huh? I want a little balance. <laughs> uh, uh, avocados. I love them. Everyone does. Shockingly not, but... Well, that's true. Well, but, but as you say that, we should tell people a fun, since this is a cookbook podcast. Uh, when I wrote my first book, The Simply Vegan Cookbook, uh, you know, the the chapters go by recipe. Oh, my God. Or the the re- the chapters go by ingredients. So we did like I'd have like a chapter on mushrooms, a chapter on squash, a chapter on beans, a beans. chapter on grains. Grains. Um, and when I was writing it, and I turned in the outline, I had a avocado chapter in there, and they were like, "Oh, this no one wants that." And I was like, <laughs> "Are you living under a rock?" Literally. So there is an avocado chapter in there. I didn't mm-hmm. have to fight too hard for it either because there was no argument to be had. 97.9% of people in the world love avocados. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact. You can fact check me on that. So a little tip. If you get a bunch uh, of avocados because you got avocado toast on the brain, maybe. This is your Dustin's dish. Um, so you get a bunch of avocados and you hoped you were going to use them. And then you don't get to use them as fast as you thought. And they're starting to get a little too ripe. The first tip, of course, is to put them to use in one of my recipes from the book I just mentioned. The Simple Vegan Cookbook. Uh, there's a whole avocado chapter, like I said. And you can make a pasta sauce with an avocado primavera. Or you can make a sweet potato avocado toast using slices of sweet potato for the toast. Or you can even make an avocado breakfast pizza, my personal oh, favorite. So good. But what about if they're starting to get soft and you just don't have time to make something? Easy. Put them in the fridge. It slows the ripening process down. I did this uh, a couple weeks ago with a couple we had. Slowed it right down and made them last like a whole week longer. So uh, just put them in the fridge if they're starting to get a little too soft or you sense they're about to get too soft. Uh, Also, when you cut them open... Leave a pit in one side, stuck in one side of the avocado. That helps that side stay uh, so it doesn't oxidize or get uh, right. Yeah. Or saw too fast. And wrap it uh, tightly if you can, pressing the air out. Or you can rub the exposed avocado with an acid like lemon juice or lime juice, still keeping the pit in there, but rubbing the edges of the exposed avocado. And that will help slow down the oxidation process. Uh, so it doesn't turn brown as quickly. Yeah, and also, I feel like you can kind of, if there's a little bit of like brown, you can kind of scrape it off the oh, yes! top. And it's, it's not all be just beautiful done and green. Yeah, yeah, that's great, babe. It, it's not just because there's a little bit of, you know, gray or shading on your green avocado doesn't mean it's I done. Used, I know, I used to be kind of like, but if you just scrape off the Well, top. you know where I'm like, like that? What? Bananas. Don't you get Ooh. even a banana with the hint of a brown spot near me? I can't me? do it. I can't I don't do want it. anything to do with it. Nope. But you know what I have to do? I have... (laughs) What? That was going to be... Tell me. A really good segue in my brain, and it did not work out. Oh, but... Oh, so now we don't But a good idea, so not a brown spot in our life, is you going to 
like, review, and subscribe oh, to this podcast. That would be lovely. Um, that would take all the brown spots from yes, our bananas away. That should. The, mm-hmm. the, from our hearts. From our hearts. Um, so uh, be a real ripe human being. Oh. And rate, review, and subscribe um, anywhere you listen, especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're humbly asking for you to really just leave a nice review. If you haven't yet, it helps the podcast out a ton. It sure do. And we also love hearing from you. So don't hesitate to message us on Instagram. On my account, you can always reach me there, at the Vegan Roadie. And uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. <laughs> This has been a Muzzy Cat production.